I want to give just a little preface to the introduction of the sermon. Have you ever been like skiing or snowboarding in the mountains? Every different like ski run that you go on has a different designation. The green ones are beginners and are easy. The blue ones are intermediate. They're squares. The black ones are black diamond. They're for experts. The double black diamonds are for experts and middle schoolers who go down the wrong run. (laughs) And when you are skiing and snowboarding regularly, you get to the point where you want to take on a greater challenge sometimes, and so you end up on a black diamond, maybe beyond your ability, but hopefully you kind of learn something about yourself in pushing beyond your limits a little bit. This morning's passage is one of those sort of black diamonds of Scripture, if you will, Uh, We may tumble our way down the moguls a little bit as we think about what this passage is calling us to. Um, But if in the end we learn and we grow and we get better and we're strengthened, then God has been at work. And so may we delve together into this so that we might be more faithful and, and, and grow in the way we experience God, maybe the way we help each other experience God, and the way our congregation expresses being a part of the kingdom of God in the world today. Now to the introduction. Last summer, Duke basketball had a problem. His name was Zion Williamson. You see, during the off-season, the, the basketball department takes all sorts of measurements and, and, and do all sorts of tests. And then there was Zion, who was bigger and faster and could jump higher than anyone they had ever had in the program. So high that when they went to measure his vertical jump, he, he was off the charts. The way they measure vertical jump is they set a pole up with little like tabs on it. And you and me run up and we jump and we hit the bottom tab and they say, you've got a six-inch vertical jump. (laughs) And, yeah, I wish. And, And Zion could jump so high that his hand cleared all of the tabs. And so they had to raise the pole up a foot so they could get an accurate measurement of his vertical jump, which turned out to be about 45 inches. They don't make these things public. It also turns out that this year, one of the players on the Duke team beat Zion's vertical jump record. Zion was extraordinary. And, and Zion is not the only athlete that, that, that some of us love who was extraordinary. I, I love Duke basketball, so I tell those stories. But, but David Thompson was extraordinary. There's stories about him putting quarters up on top of the backboard. Ralph Sampson was extraordinary. Michael Jordan was extraordinary. I remember watching him dunk from the free throw line the first time I saw that. 
I had that poster on my wall before I knew I wasn't supposed to like Tar Heels. (laughs) Tim Duncan was extraordinary. Steph Curry is extraordinary. All of these guys are, are, are beloved ball players that inspire us because they accomplish feats beyond what we can imagine. But do they inspire us to accomplish feats within ourselves that are beyond what we might imagine for ourselves? Do they ever do more than entertain and impress us? Is it possible to to take the way they look at their craft of basketball and apply something, draw inspiration in some way to the way we might should engage in and practice our faith? I, I think too often we settle for just good enough when it comes to our faith. I think too often we declare that we're busy, that our, our plates are full, and that our faith lives are, are good enough if we just squeeze by. We, as faithful people, are the equivalent of the, the bottom of the graduating class from medical school. The last doctor in his class is still called doctor. But, but really... All this does is is hurt us when we treat faith this way. All it really does is hinder us. It keeps us from experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. And so we are doing a disservice, yes, to one another, and yes, to our church, and, and yes, also maybe especially to ourselves. When we settle for the bare minimum in faith, Instead of discern what it takes to be devoted and extraordinary. Can we allow ourselves to wonder in faith what being extraordinary might be like? What might we need to do to adjust our practices so that we can experience something extraordinary? And does that have anything to do with Acts chapter 5? Let's think about that as we turn to this, albeit strange story, of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Ananias and Sapphira selling a field and giving stuff back to the church. A man named Ananias sold, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard those words, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. 
Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the piece of land for such and such a price. And she says, Yes, that was the price. Peter says to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look at the feet of those who buried your husband. They're at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in and found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole of the church and all who heard these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. About that one, huh? If we really think about our faith, we think about the things that we love, the things that, that touch us, the things that we need to hear, we, we think about things that are kind of simple, actually. Psalm 23 is explicit about God's care for us. John 3.16 is concise in its proclamation of the gospel. The Lord's Prayer, in just a handful of lines, is complete in all that we need. And even just the story that He is risen tells us everything we know we need to know about Easter, about faith, about our lives, and about resurrection. And this story is actually kind of simple, isn't it? It's about seeing clearly, it's about having integrity, it's about fulfilling your word. It's plain in its consequences, even if its consequences seem as extraordinary as a Zion Williamson vertical leap test, like beyond what we can imagine. I think, simply put, this passage says, at the very least, one, that holding back from God leads to death. Two, holding back from your faith community is the same as holding back from God. And three, when you lie to your faith community and you lie to God, you mostly just cheat yourself. Because, let me be clear about something, I don't need any of you to go sell everything you own, bring it to the church, and then say, now what? I don't have a place for you to stay. But it's not really about that. It's not about selling everything it's about not making excuses for not doing the things that God's called us to do. You see, the early church had it very different than, than we do. Economically, it was pretty imperative that they stuck together as a, as a collective. The circumstances were dire. The stakes were high. Christians had to hang together for support, for safety, to show strength in numbers. And, and then nothing was promised them. And so for that time, it meant sharing everything they had with one another. And everyone did it. At the time of Acts 5, they had to share everything and the integrity of their shared life was dependent upon them being honest with one another. And that's, that's the rub with Ananias and Sapphira. He sells a field, lies about it, drops dead. Second verse, same as the first, Sapphira comes in and the same thing happens. It's an alarming story. 
It, it shows us that holding back leads to death. It shows us that lying to one another as a part of a Christian community leads to death. And it shows us that the community moves on without us when we cheat ourselves. We're the ones that die. Because the church is still here, even though Ananias and Sapphira are long gone. And so, what do we do with the passage? I suppose we wrestle with it, right? We wrestle with our integrity. We wrestle with the finances of the matter. And we try not to tell ourselves we're doing all we can when maybe, maybe we aren't. I keep my distance from the money in the, in, in the church. I don't know what you give. Unless you tell me what you give, I have no idea what you've given to the church. Treat everybody the same, as best I know how. But it turns out the national average statistics are such that the, the magic number for people giving to the church tends to be $1,200 a year. Most, the most common number given to the church nationwide is $1,200. The reason for that is probably simple. We can put $100 on auto draft and never miss it. $1,200 is a lot of money. There's a lot of people who participate in the life of this church who, who could up their giving to 1200 bucks a year, and that would be great for the church if a lot of people gave less than what they normally give and only gave 1200 we would be in big trouble. You wouldn't be hot this morning, I promise. But $100 on auto-draft to the church is, is, is mindless giving. And if we say, well, I give faithfully to the church, but then we think about where we spend everything else that we spend, maybe this scripture would read us as a modern-day Ananias and Sapphira. Of course our economic life is different. But with all the things that go on in our lives, have we done all we can? Look, I'm, I'm just like you. We moved this summer, so I, I, I'm aware of, of every kind of bill that we have coming through our house. And I know what the internet costs every month. It's like $100. I, I get a, an alert from Verizon every time my iPhone bill is due and for our two iPhones, it's $160 a month. I hit a deer last year with my car. I didn't ask it to come in the way, but it meant I had to buy a new car, so I know what a car payment is. And I am not perfect in how I spend money. I got caught up in the hockey playoff hype, and I now have 11-game season ticket plan to the Hurricanes this year, which was probably not my smartest use of $900. But none of these things are evil. Your iPhone is not evil. Netflix is not evil. Sports season tickets are not evil. They bring joy. They bring fun. They help us connect to one another deeply. But we just have to be careful with them because all of these things can entrap us also. Because when we devote $2,000 a year to Verizon, 
or to spectrum or to car payments or to social functions or to sports entertainment and then we look around and say I've given God all that I have we have to see if we have cheated the community have we cheated God have we cut short the work of God in the world and honestly more than anything have we cut short what's possible when it comes to God's work in us because we haven't been generous? Does that make sense? Do, do, do we see, can we see how, how we might be cheating God if we spend more on vacations than we do on giving faithfully yet claim to give faithfully? Can we see that if we look at the small gifts that we make and pretend they are big, then we are not that much different from the path that leads to death in Acts chapter 5. In that way, Scripture convicts us. Scripture challenges us. Scripture reminds us that we stick ourselves on roads to death. And that's not the road we want to be on, is it? As we move towards a conclusion, I I confess, I'm fascinated by this story. The Vespers crowd will tell you, I've talked about it probably two or three times in Vespers. And honestly, the the folks that come to Vespers, they're not the ones who need to hear this story to be encouraged to give. I don't think, I don't know for a fact, but based on the demographics, they're the faithful ones in a lot of ways. But this simple passage, it's so complex. It, it, like, it makes us squirm. It's the preacher equivalent of getting on the wrong ski slope at the wrong time and mogling your way down to the bottom, getting beat up. But, but we learn something from it. it. It challenges us. Scripture does the hard work here. It's not the preacher. It reminds us that if we give graciously to God... We experience the fullness of God in a different way. And if you give generously to God and you're feeling the fullness of God, then may you be affirmed by this passage today. May you be affirmed that you are not on a road to death. And thank you on behalf of your church for providing ways and spaces for God to be at work on this corner, in this community, and through the world. But statistics might tell us that that a lot of us need to be challenged a little bit when it comes to our generosity. A lot of us need to squirm a little bit more sometimes. Because for many of us, the devotion to Verizon or DirecTV or GMAC or Amazon or CenturyLink or even the season tickets exceeds the devotion that we have to the kingdom of God. And when we say to ourselves, we've given all that we can then, but we haven't, Scripture has something for us, doesn't it? And more than that, we're settling for something that's less than an extraordinary experience of our faith. And so, I come back to the beginning. 
Zion, MJ, David Thompson, Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, they were extraordinary. And none of them were born extraordinary. They all honed their talents and their gifts. Zion wasn't born with the ability to jump. He learned to jump. But through these guys' devotion, they didn't cheat themselves. They didn't cheat their teammates. And they didn't cheat what they dreamed of accomplishing. They decided they were going to be devoted to that which they loved, which was basketball. And at every turn, they gave everything they could of their lives to make that happen. And so they experienced something extraordinary. And as people of faith, don't we want the same? Don't we need God's love and God's strength to be extraordinary in us? And so today, don't we need to choose to be faithful? Don't we need to experience the fullness of all God has for us by quitting cutting corners? And and can't we choose a path of generosity and, and graciousness that leads us somewhere other than death? I believe that if and when we choose the path to God's love, God responds. I believe we can challenge ourselves to grow in our faith by being generous. And we will grow in our faith. And, and I believe that when we reflect to God our willingness to be gracious and generous, we will experience God, God's gracious generosity back in ways beyond what we could imagine. I don't know what the spiritual equivalent of a 48-inch vertical leap is, but maybe my prayer for all of us today is we might take some steps in that direction. We might see what it is God has to show us. We might be willing to learn. And by stepping forward, by acting in faithfulness, God will show us more than we could have asked or imagined. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the comforting, simple words of Scripture. And Lord, even when the words of Scripture are hard and are challenging, we give you thanks that you can reach us, that you can teach us. And that even when we fall short, you love us. You forgive us and you provide for us. And you provide paths that lead to life. And so, Lord, today our prayer is, first and most of all, help us to follow faithfully so we can experience life. Help us to take steps in the right direction so that we can experience the fullness of your love for us. And help us not to cheat ourselves out of your love by being worried about other things. Help us put, help us to put you first. Oh Lord, we're not going to get it right every time. We're not going to walk out these doors perfect. But Lord, help us to be closer to you today than we were yesterday. And on our way to closeness and fullness and extraordinary faith in you for the days that lie ahead. This, O Lord, is our prayer and we offer it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who loved us, who's raised for us and who saved us. Amen.